This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I am here with Mims. We're going to be on Zoom today so we can look at each other from a distance. Yes, ma'am. How are you? We're doing it. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I forgot how much work that toddlers were and I'm glad that I no longer have a toddler. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but from what I heard, it's a lot. It's a lot. Wait, just all the, the getting them dressed and putting them in car seats just to go places. My kids are just like, come on, let's go. Right, yeah, they can handle their own at this point. Yeah, much easier. One time I was uh, babysitting my friend's kid, who I'm no longer friends with for separate reasons, but her kid basically... I took him to a store while mom was working and I didn't buy him anything because A, I was like, I'm not your mom. And B, I was like, I don't reward like that. Like if I was a mom, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. So then he straight up slapped me, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Straight up slapped me with his little hands and I was like, you know what? We're leaving. I dropped all of the shit. He was in a car. I grabbed him. I was like, we're going. Yeah, that's, that's actually really good parenting. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay, yeah, because he was, like, throwing a yeah. fit, and I'm like, I'm not about to have this right now in a store. This is too much. One time, my daughter, she's 16 now, but when she was little, she liked to pretend she was dead at the store when she didn't get what she wanted. Oh which my was God. fine for me, because it was a silent tantrum. But... Right. I would I would walk around to the end of the aisle and watch for her to realize that I walk away and get up. And this lady yeah. saw me do this one day and she was so upset. How are you just leaving her laying on the floor? Oh my God. Having a silent tantrum. Right. You have to leave her alone. Now you just got into it and now she'll probably play dead for another 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that her go-to response is to play possum like she's just like i'm done i'm dead like soap opera fainting on the floor like (laughs) i can't live anymore oh my god i think that if she was our age she would be my best friend because that's just too much she's dramatic (laughs) all right um do you have anything you know i have no idea what's going on in the world this week No, I don't have any news this week, but I do have something that I want to get into. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Um, So I want to address our second review that was left for us. And it was our very first one star review. And I'm not really mad about it because it makes me feel like I'm becoming like a real podcaster and I'm in that like real podcasters club. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that every podcast, including, get this, the National Geographic podcast I listen to has negative ratings and reviews. 
I'm like, how could you be mad at National Geographic? That's interesting. I went to thought that. Yeah. So that just made me realize that not everyone's going to like our voices or banter or our stories. Yeah. And, you know, teach their own. That's your Mm -hmm. right as a human. So I'm not mad about it. And um, not that I love the haters hating because I'll take a five star any day, but I definitely understand that everyone is opinionated and what we're doing is not going to be liked by everybody. So especially since we're opinionated. (laughs) Yeah, we're super opinionated and we're going to trigger some people and not that we would do that intentionally, but I mean, we have our own viewpoints and if that offends you, then we're not trying to, but I'm not going to, this is our platform. This is what we do for fun, basically. So I'm not going to just mold myself to be liked by anybody because that's not the point. That is not what we do. No. So uh, I'm sorry if you don't enjoy the banter. It's not going to stop. So if that's a, a problem for you, I suggest that you take it elsewhere. Um, yeah. So thank you, Jen, with seven N's R for enlightening <laughs> us with your review. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I was cracking up about it this morning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, on the upside though, my beautiful cousin Mandy said that she started listening and loved it. So that warms my heart. Um, people reaching out on a, like a daily or weekly basis, just saying like they took the time to do that, which really makes me happy and makes me feel really good about who I have in my life. So that was really sweet. Yeah. You know what always surprises me about negative reviews? I've never left a negative review about a podcast. If I start listening and I'm like, this isn't for me, I turn it off and go to something else. I've never yeah. tried to listen to a podcast and been like, oh my God, they're annoying. Let me go on iTunes yeah, and take time yeah. out of my day to be shitty. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that either. Cause I mean, there's some podcasts that I'm like, I'm not a huge fan, but good for you for trying but I'm not yeah. going to just go out of my way to like put somebody down just because I don't find it to be my cup of tea like it's not I'm not out here trying to like make other people feel bad about themselves just for my own opinions exactly so so is there, something, is there something on the review that did annoy you <laughs> um just like the like she said, I'm assuming it's a she, but she said that the banter was annoying, which I, I don't really care because I like to talk to you. So that's whatever. But it was the, the information part that she was like, not enough information or something along those lines. Like we don't and have I'm any like, general knowledge. I basically felt like she was saying we were dumb. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, this takes a lot of work. It's not really just I don't know, like what you think goes into making an episode, but it takes a lot of research, a lot of compiling, making sure that everything makes sense. And then if we trip up on names, some words, because we're reading and lost our, our way at one point, then I mean, my bad, but oh, well. And I'm sorry, I don't know what Swiss steak is. And I don't know what I <laughs> Like, I just don't. And I don't give a fuck. No, I don't either. Like, I I don't know who. I mean, some people know that. But I feel like 
that's like a specific type of people. So like, don't assume that we just know Swiss take because we don't. No, we're doing crime. Yeah, so we do know that. We do know that what we are putting out there, we've researched. So that it at least is something that we do on our part. But yeah, we do hours of research. And yeah. I personally prefer podcasts where people conversate while they share the stories. I don't want like a dry retelling of facts that I could read in a newspaper. So I would never want yeah. to make that kind of podcast. But right. People that really like that, maybe they should create that for their tribe of people. Yeah. I mean, like all the people that hate on MFM, Mm. people that don't like us, like get together and make the most boring podcast ever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they can, they can listen to NPR if they really want to. Have you ever heard of there? They still have conversations though. Even on yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, maybe I not just, as silly as we get, but yeah, they still oh, conversations. Well. Yeah. Oh well. I love MFM for all of their, you know, their conversations. <laughs> My dog is like very interested in what we're doing. Um, just because they they're so genuine and so organic, and I. I feel that when we have those moments, then it makes it really special for people that listen because it's not just so dry and like we're having genuine interactions. And I would prefer that, but I mean, to each their own, as I said before. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like it's more relatable and people need human connection. And I want to give people that. I know half the time I don't even listen to the whole stories on MFM anymore, but I listen to the to them talking to each other. I just like listening to them talk to each other. Me too. There's something so comforting about them and what they have going on and like what their recommendations are. Cause I've read a couple of books because of what Georgia recommends. And, you know, like if I didn't listen through all of that stuff before they get into it, then I would have missed out on a lot of good books and good shows and movies and shit. So I prefer it. Me too. All right, I said my piece. Me too. And I also made TikTok. Yeah, we're going to share that. That'll be fun. All right. Okay, you Who go first or me? I think I do this week. Go ahead. All right. So I'm going to talk about the Maribel Caves Hotel. I had another story planned for this week, but then when I started researching it, I was like, I got to do way more than a week's worth of research. So yeah, I changed it up. Seriously. Yeah. Cause I, I looked at that too and I'm like, holy shit, this is not going to be like a three day thing. This is a, a whole venture. Yeah. I had a case that I thought was pretty cut and dry until I started reading court documents. And then I'm like, there's some information missing from the newspaper articles because these court documents tell a really different story. So yeah, I don't want to present partial story. So we're going to go with something spooky instead of murder. Okay. I'm in for it. <laughs> All right. So the Maribel Caves Hotel, I'm going to start with the history. It was designed by an Austrian immigrant, Charles Steinbrecher, to resemble the health spas in Austria. So Charles died before he could complete his vision. 
So his sons, Father Francis Steinbrecher and Eugene Steinbrecher, had it built in 1900. Father Francis of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Kakana hired 30 Masons to complete the project. And since he hired so many people, it was done being built in a few short months. I think they said four months altogether. It only took to build. Okay. And when it was first built, the hotel served as a retreat for clergymen and as a health spa. So there was natural spring water from the caves. And back then, that was like the really trendy thing. Luxurious. and Luxurious. Like, and like yeah, it could heal you. and. Yeah. yeah, definitely like a fountain of youth kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean, I feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Hot Springs? No. Oof. So whenever we go on like our uh, out west uh, trips that we do, like um, like camping and all that, we always find Hot Springs. And it, I honestly could die in one it's so nice my dogs sit in them with us because it's so relaxing and you just are in the middle of nature in a in a like mini jacuzzi it's so nice do you think the ones in maribel are hot or do you think they're cold (laughs) oh i think they're cold because you need so it's so cold in wisconsin today i just feel like everything is cold i feel like this the states that need them are the coldest and I, I'm very mad that we don't have them because on a winter day, I would so want to just go there for, to relax yeah. and just like decompress in the, the mid of winter. That would be nice. So yeah. if people don't know where Maribel is, that's kind of by Manitowoc. So it's not too far from us mm-hmm. in the valley. It's like an hour away. And there's something like, 379 people in Maribel so it's a really small community wow yeah yeah like there's more people at the elementary school here I think (laughs) (laughs) right so they built this place and then in 1927 Father Francis died and the hotel changed ownership and with the change in ownership came a change in clientele so it went from a retreat for clergymen to a retreat for bootleggers, mobsters, and sex workers. Wow, that changed very dramatically. <laughs> it did. So it seems like there's a lot of crime going on there. Some people yeah. dispute that, but there's been a lot of stories about that. Mm-hmm. So I believe it. Yeah. Because there was also a bottling plant that was built next door to the hotel during this time. And it was said that Al Capone was using that bottling plant as a front for making moonshine because they were bottling the spring water to send to like the fancy hotels and like Milwaukee and Chicago and stuff. Yeah. But people are pretty sure that he was also using the bottling company to get moonshine out of it. But it was a good front. Yeah, for sure. And I love that Al Capone has a history with Wisconsin because I never knew that before. Yeah. He was, he did a lot of stuff in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I didn't realize that until we started doing this and I started reading all of these different cases and I'm just like, 
I didn't know that Al Capone was so prevalent here. I thought he was just like a big city type of gangster, but he he's in Wisconsin, you guys. Yeah, the place that we had our after prom, it was somebody that I went to school with, family owned a, a like a bar resort restaurant thing. And there was like bullet holes in the walls from when he was there. Holy and shit. Framed in. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, and that's and that's up north. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. And John Dillinger is also said to be at the hotel. I don't were they friends? Or just I don't know. I have no either. idea. Like do we have competing mobsters at the same hotel? I don't you know. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that that's not possible. So Yeah. I would like to have been there during that period of time, I think. That'd be cool. It seemed like it was probably a really good party. Right. But then you risk the fact of maybe getting shot. So I don't know. That's true. <laughs> You're like, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. <laughs> so then in 1981, the hotel was purchased by someone new. It had been closed down for a while. Somebody new came and bought it. And they tried to open it back up, but there wasn't much business because by this point, people thought the hotel was filled with angry, evil spirits. So the townspeople were like, yeah, nobody should go there. Mm -hmm. So then in 1986, the building mysteriously caught fire and reduced the building to just the limestone bricks. Which I'm like, oh, was it mysteriously yeah. or was it like insurance because he just paid all this money for this hotel? You know, that's a really good point, though. That's a lot of people probably don't think of that, but it's probably something that a lot of people do with businesses that just put a shit ton of money in and then they're like, well, this isn't producing anything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very Could strange be. situation. Yeah. And then in 2006, the building was gutted and everything was removed from inside. And then in 2013, a strong windstorm or tornado, they call it a windstorm, some people call it a tornado, came through and knocked down much of the building. So what's left of it now is just basically like the big limestone rocks, not any of the little bricks or anything anymore. And yep. you said you've seen it before, right? Yes. Yep. So I went down to the Marable Caves uh, with Jake and our dogs, and I we, I didn't know any of the history before when I was there, and um, just walking around, and then I seen all these. It, it looks like ruins, honestly, and I was just yeah. like, I wonder what this was. So, it, but it was all like basically like chained off. You can't go in yeah. that area. I'm sure people do, but I was like this is very interesting. And then I read about it and I'm like, well, damn, I didn't know all that. It is all fenced off. And I guess the current owner lives in a house behind it. So I don't recommend people try to sneak onto the property as it is because they really don't want people there. You can get pretty close. I mean, you can go up to the fence, I guess you can see, yeah. but you can't go inside or anything. Even from the trail, you can see what it is. So it's not like you don't have kind of access to it but you yeah. just can't be in it yeah okay so now I'm going to go into the disputed facts like the first half was like the what we know for sure 
the proven okay. history. Now I'm going to go into the disputed facts. So the hotel is said to have caught on fire three separate times. And each time was on the same day in June. Oh. Yeah. The first in the 1920s and then the last time in the 1930s. The fire in the 1930s was the most tragic as it killed everyone that was sleeping at the hotel. Oh, damn. And it said that many of the bodies were never removed from the hotel, that on the third floor in the basement, there were still skeletal remains until they cleaned it out in 2006. That's some bad energy right there. Yes. Other people say there was never, there was only one fire, that one in 1986, but I don't know. Yeah. I like to go with the three fires because it's more interesting. Yeah. You know, just round it out. Right. And years later, a guest reportedly went crazy and went on a murdering frenzy where he killed everyone in the hotel and then committed suicide. How do you get away with killing everybody? Who who didn't like say, hey, I'm not going to let you. Well, I guess you don't choose to die. Okay. What I'm trying to say is, how do you one man kill everybody? in a place and not be stopped it's a really good question unless they were sleeping because then that makes sense but you would think like somebody would wake up if he's shooting them yeah i'm thinking more like axing them i don't know what was used it it didn't say what the weapon was i was curious about that it does usually go back to axes at that time. Right, or like some sort of stabbing, but that's the only way I would think that he would be able to get away with that without anybody really being aware of what was happening throughout the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, that's a lot of work, though, depending on how many people were there. Yeah, like, I'm sure there was some sort of commotion during it, like, for each and every individual, unless they were sleeping, then I could see where yeah. it's easy easy or poison maybe but i don't think he poisoned them but that would have been the best way to go yeah i mean <laughs> if you're trying to do a whole group that's the way to do it i guess yeah but i think this sounded more like he was possessed and killed everyone on a frenzy yeah on a frenzy yep okay and all of these spirits are said to remain in the building yeah yeah so this attracted a group of witches who practiced the black magic. Okay, so I have to say, I don't like the whole black and white magic thing because I don't like that they determined that bad magic was black magic and good magic was white magic. I don't know who determined that, but I don't like yeah, the way that I they did see, that. I could see that, yeah. Like, why wasn't it red magic or just dark magic? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, whatever, the evil magic people, the group, <laughs> they came, the group of witches came, mm-hmm. these damn witches are always popping up to do something. So they came and they performed a bunch of rituals, I'm guessing with the demon spirits that still lived there, mm-hmm. and cursed the hotel. Yeah. And when they did this, they opened a portal to hell in the fountain outside of the hotel. Okay. And then this freed a bunch of evil spirits to terrorize the town of Maribel until a different witch, a good witch. It's like Glenda the good witch. 
Yeah. Came and sealed off the portal. Wow. So she must have been very powerful. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of lady witch strength. Yeah, definitely. So her spell is said to have locked the evil spirits to the grounds of the hotel. Okay. So they're inside the fence. So mm-hmm. you want to go inside the fence. So that's where all the spirits are locked. Yeah. Yeah. And then there is a story that the bottling factory next door had caught fire at one point as well. But I was unable to find a year for this story. And it said that there is a little boy on the roof when it caught fire and that his spirit is still on the roof today. Which is creepy to see a little boy spirit running around the roof. and Al Capone and John Dillinger were said to have dug tunnels underneath the place for their bootlegging operations and that they have hidden treasure underneath which might be one of the reasons that people keep trying to go inside I don't think that that's the main reason I think one of the main reasons is because people like haunted shit and trespassing people love trespassing (laughs) (laughs) they do yeah i know i'm in these abandoned yeah i'm in these like abandoned photography groups i i really love abandoned buildings yeah and yeah tons of trespassing Mm -hmm. so i think that alone encourages people and then you throw in some hidden treasure and boom you got a cocktail of violations (laughs) pretty much (laughs) all right so let's talk about the hauntings so the hotel is said to glow under the new moon like it is engulfed with flames wow on these nights you can see every detail of the hotel even though it's surrounded by woods that is which i was confused about because the new moon is dark the new moon is bright So I'm like, how does that, that's some kind of special magic right there. Right. Now I want to go on a new moon and see if it glows. <laughs> if you find it, let me know. Yeah, it's too cold right now. Yeah. This could be a summer <laughs> adventure. Yeah. And then if you could get to the third floor, people would report feeling cold hands applying pressure to their back. I hate that. Like somebody pushing you from behind or just... I think any, like, touching that I can't see just really irritates me. I feel very violated. Yeah, I don't like that either. Or, like, whispering in, like, the ears or watching that I, like, I I can feel me being watched, but I know nobody's there. That also gets to me. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes people are actually watching. You just don't know where they are that is also triggering <laughs> like not i'm not gonna help okay. your phobia i'm gonna add to your phobia yeah. i'm just constantly worried there's something with like the power of your eyes that you can feel that energy from people it's a real thing really? i don't know the science behind it but it's a real thing yeah i would like to know the science me too so if you if you guys know the science of the of that mm-hmm. of what Fallon just said, right in the stairs. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's creepy. And then 
They say if you flash a light in the second floor window, someone or something will flash a light back at you. Oof. Yeah. And then in the basement, people report feeling threatened. Mm. They didn't specify like how, but I think just that ominous feeling. Like you shouldn't be there type of feeling. Yeah, like you better get out. Yeah. I don't know who would go in the basement. I mean, I wouldn't, but some people like to do things that are, I don't know, like that. Like haunted stuff, but haunted basements too much for me even just a general basement for me I'm just not willing to really go into yeah I'm not a big basement fan either it's very like claustrophobic yeah especially those that are really really unfinished that are kind of just like concrete and then like you could smell maybe mold like I'm not trying to go down there yeah we used to have a field stone basement Mm-hmm. And that was like a dungeon and it was very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is creepy too. And it sounds like my story last week. There has been reports of blood coming from the walls. Mm. It's gross. Yeah. And people hear screaming from the basement. Oh, God. They hear the ringing of bells and the sound of wheels. Oh. And people say that the bathrooms smell of sewer gas. Oh, God. I know. And then old books in the rooms upstairs are said to burst into flames. Wow. Like you open a book and it just bursts into flames. Like you're just sitting there trying to read a book because you feel bad that you don't read books enough in your life. And then all of a sudden it just bursts into flames. You never read a book again. No. <laughs> I'm like, all right, ebooks it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a new thing Kindle came up with. Yeah. <laughs> Does your book start on fire? Well, we got the solution. <laughs> okay, and then the caves are right below the hotel. The caves go underneath it. Oh, yeah. So people have said that they hear screams and groans of creatures or monsters coming from the caves underneath. Oh, my God. I know. Other witnesses have heard laughing and witnessed a little girl with a black dress and no shoes running down the stairs to the caves. Mm-mm. No. No. And then it, near the old stables, you can hear singing day or night. Oh, and you can still hear hoofbeats in the stables, too. You can hear what? The hoofbeats from the horse. Oh, wow. Yep. And then a lot of people have reported being chased by a white light. And some of it describe it as like a white horse-drawn carriage. Some people can only see the light, but some people see the whole horse-drawn carriage chasing them away from the property. Wow. That's intense. Like a, like a guardian. I wonder if those people are evil. Right. Yeah. I got chased maybe, by the white light. Or maybe it was like a an energy that was like, nope, you shouldn't be here. You need to go. I'm saving yeah. you or something. Like a protection. Like, yeah. Get out, quit. Yeah. <laughs> Please. That could, that could be. Please don't come here. I'm sick of saving people. <laughs> 
And there have been apparitions have been seen wandering around the property on the nearby road. And some have been seen on the roof of the building. They say like a man in one of those old long like sleeping gowns has been seen walking around the property. Like a man in a sleeping gown is really creepy to me. It's disturbing to me because a man in a sleeping gown shouldn't be a thing, but. Everybody used to sleep in sleeping gowns, I guess. Yeah, it can just air it all out. <laughs> oh, they're probably stinky too. Yeah, this is probably for the best. <laughs> probably. And then others have seen objects levitate and move around the building. Oh, God. I don't know what I would do if something just, like, levitated off my desk. Um, well, okay, so on your desk, I feel like I would be, like, wow, what's happening? But, like, in a creepy place, I probably would faint or something. Yeah. I'd probably be, like, um, who's there? <laughs> what are you in your house? No, in a creepy oh. place. Oh, yeah, no, I would not be able to contain myself no I'm a big scaredy cat though I I have this problem that I just like react wrongly to situations I don't think it's wrong I think that you're pretty I don't know I wouldn't even know how to describe it but you're pretty chill when it comes to um, yeah intense situations yeah Sometimes you probably shouldn't be, though. Sometimes running is definitely the answer. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still, like, standing there trying to have a conversation with the demon. And you're like, I'm just trying to understand. (laughs) That's exactly how it would be. I'm trying to understand why you're so upset. Can we talk about your feelings? (laughs) Oh, man. Let me help you get out of here. Just open up your own ghost therapy practice, and I feel like you would just be, yeah, living your best life. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't hear the ghosts though, so yeah. Well, I mean, what what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the scariest part of the whole hotel is. The portal to hell. Yeah. Yeah. So in front of the property, there was a water fountain that was later used as a flower garden. And it said, as you approach this fountain, you can feel the heat radiating from it. Mm. And then some people report feeling like they're getting sucked into it. Like it's like this energy just drawing them inside of it. And if you look into it, you can see the flames of hell. Ooh. Yeah. So there's been a lot of people daring each other to go look at this hell place. Yeah. That's very scary to me. I don't know if that's real or not. but I don't know my stance on heaven and hell. (laughs) So I think that if I were to have seen that, that would definitely lock it in for me believing. So yeah. that's how I feel too. Yeah. Like, so just a world filled with fire underneath us. Right. Somewhere, some of that yeah. plane. And am I going to get sucked into it? Cause I looked at a flower garden. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like 
uh, I gotta be careful. I think, I think the good witch planted the flowers to cover up the hell underneath. Oh, well, that's very sweet of her. It was. <laughs> so I was trying to find some stories about the hauntings. And then on Wisconsin Haunted Houses, there was a story that I really enjoyed. So this girl said in the year 2000, before the building got destroyed by the tornado, the writer went with a group of six people to visit the Maribel Caves on a sunny August day. She said they went about 2 p.m. and they stepped into the cave and something happened where like the whole world disappeared. Ooh. She said, she said they woke up basically like they came back to reality and it was hours later. And it was dark and rainy. Oh, my God. So one of the men that she was with ran up to where the car was parked and turned on the headlights so the rest of the group could see the trail to get back. And that they still couldn't see the trail. Oh. Even with the lights on, it, there was no trail. And they could feel someone behind them the whole time that they were running from the woods. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. said when they got like when they got back together as a group, they were talking about, you know, what happened. Everybody had the same experience. Nobody knew what happened. It kind of reminded me of Manifest. Did you ever watch Manifest? I haven't, no. Okay. Well, they like go on a plane and then they disappear and then they come back and they don't know where any of the lost time went. Oh, and that's kind of what it sounds like. They nobody knew where the time went. It was sunny. It felt like minutes had passed to them, but it had been hours and it was dark and raining. They said it was about nine o'clock when they got back to the car. Oh, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know either. But now she reports that she now has spiritual gifts. Like she can see ghosts. Wow. She can see other creatures. She can feel presences around her. And she had children after this. And she said they also have the gift. Wow. So. That's insane. I know. I wonder where they went. Me too. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That would be really scary to me. Scarier than seeing a ghost. Yeah, for sure. Because then you just don't know like where you were, what happened, and you have no recollection of it. And then all of a sudden you start seeing some crazy shit. Like that would be insane. I would, that would take a lot of adjusting. It would for sure. She should be a ghost therapist. She should be. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is my story about the hotel hell in Maribel. Thank you. I am glad that you took that one on because it was pretty intense when I was reading into it. So you did awesome. Thank you. Okay, are you ready to transition? I am. Do you have a sad story? Uh, not entirely. But it's not spooky. It's real life. (laughs) Hey, these Um, people that wrote these stories believe that's real life. Yes, I shouldn't have said that. Well, this I I don't believe that the Maribel Hotel is actually haunted. You don't? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe because I don't think that most of the murders really happened. I think like somebody made up these urban legends as time passed. Could be. Yeah. I do believe though 
that that lady though that now has a gift yeah that seems pretty plausible out of everything I don't know yeah I guess there could be spirits there I mean it was a clergy place and then a criminal place so there could be a variety of energies Mm -hmm. there yeah so it could be haunted but I don't believe like there was just a bunch of people dying all at once and getting left in the hotel I think that was an exaggerated story yeah maybe we'll never know I guess no not unless we start talking to ghosts one day right and I'm not going to be into that so (laughs) all right so I got all my sources from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel CNN and Wikipedia. If you guys haven't donated to Wikipedia, please do so. They are important to have around. It would be really sad if we didn't have Wikipedia anymore. So please donate if you can. Okay, so on November 20th, 2020 at 2.50 p.m. a Friday afternoon, people were enjoying the start of their weekend. Uh, Some went to the movies, other went to get a bite to eat. Um, but a lot of people in the suburb of Wauwatosa went to the Maker Mall. So the Maker Mall was not only a shopping location, but a place that most teenagers went to as a place to hang out and move off. I remember those days when I had no money and I was still off at the mall doing, I don't know what I was doing, probably trying to get an Orange Julius for $2. Yeah, and you walk around. Now it's boba tea, and you just walk around and... Now it's boba tea. (laughs) Wow, shit has changed. So, which is why these particular 15 and 18-year-olds were at the mall. They were shopping, enjoying each other's company, but at this outing, it quickly turned sour. As they saw another group of teenagers they were familiar with and actually feuding with at the mall. They spotted the group descending the escalator near the Macy's store and the 18-year-old witnessed uh, was witnessed approaching the group with immediate anger and violence. The 18-year-old started off screaming and punching one of them in the face uh, and then the 15-year-old was uh, who was with him joined in and escalated the situation by pulling out a gun and shooting it into the group, firing 10 rounds and then seven more at one of the victims after she got up and was trying to run away. So gunshots gunshots kept going off in a frenzy of panic and confusion. And then once the smoke cleared and everyone realized what had happened, it was discovered that three of the members of that group going down the escalator were shot. Eric Garcia, who was the 18-year-old with the 15-year-old, was also shot during the attack as well. So dude just ended up shooting his friend. And then, unfortunately, the people who had nothing to do with it, with the incident or the ongoing feud, innocent bystanders just enjoying their Friday shopping were also shot. And that was a total of four people. So within 30 seconds, dozens of police responded and the mall was closed until the next day. Uh, There was a side note that I found very interesting. Apparently Trump supporters thought it was appropriate to hold a rally 
when yeah. the mall was closed in the parking lot, uh, yeah. carrying around some guns, literally the day after it happened. Yep. I saw so, that when it happened and I couldn't believe that. Like mm-hmm. I'm all for gun rights, but that is not the proper time or place to do that at all. Nope, not at all. Uh, Mayor Dennis McBride made a statement and quote, that rally, as I understand it, was planned a week ahead of time. I think it was unfortunate that they decided to come with what happened the day before, end quote. And I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter if they kept on with the rally. It's just the fact that they went there with guns right after people were literally shot and fearful of losing their lives. That's kind of disrespectful, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And people lost children. Like. Yeah. It was a traumatic event. And then you have people out there with guns. Yeah, exactly. Like literally the day after at the same place outside of, in like the parking lot of where it happened. That's just, oof. So the FBI and Milwaukee also responded to the scene to aid the local law enforcement. A heavy police and EMT presence responded. According to footage from CNN affiliate WISN, and police officers in tactical gear were seen entering the building as well. So they were going guns blazing into that right after it was happening because I'm assuming a lot of people called it in, which I actually did read. A lot of people were calling it in, but I think some stories must have some sort of like panic modes or something. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Uh So it's really unfortunate because the 18-year-old Eric Garcia later told police he didn't know that the 15-year-old had a gun on him that day and that they had no intention of starting a fight or shooting when they went to the mall. But obviously that must have been a lie because who doesn't know that their friend has a weapon on them? Because I bet you any 15-year-old dumbass would be like, ooh, I got a gun, I'm hard, look at me, you know? Like, how do you not know that? I don't know. I guess it depends on how the 15-year-old was, like how sophisticated he was. I think after I I get done telling you basically a synopsis of who he is, I think you'll you'll see. So in addition to what I assume was a lie, the other part of of going to the mall without ill intent was also proven to be false. So that makes me feel like the whole thing was a lie. Because text messages obtained by police show that within hours of the shooting, the suspect had been attempting to arrange a fight out of Milwaukee with help from his family. So this cycle of grown adults acting like children and raising children with the same immature mentality needs to stop. You can't just support this type of behavior and... Like you're creating mini terrorists. It's not exactly. okay. No, it's not. Uh, in my research, the exact ages of the seven other victims were redacted in the reports, but they range from about 18 to 66 years old based on birth years. They reported gunshot wounds to their arms and legs. Luckily, none were fatal. So there was a silver lining for that. Yeah. 
The suspect made his way out of the mall and left the area after climbing to an Uber across the street that was called by the shooter's father. Why didn't know that part? Mm-hmm. So this is where, like, the cycle of just people raising, I'm going to say it, people raising shitty people yeah. just is so detrimental to society because I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I agree. Okay. In the immediate aftermath of the shooting, police had conflicting information as to the shooter's identity. Surveillance cameras in the mall that could have captured the shootings were not functioning at the time and witness descriptions of the shooter varied in age and race. Um, as we've talked about before, not a lot of people remember, especially in traumatic experiences like this, you, you think that you would remember everything that went down, but when you're, when things are split by split second, and it's a lot to take in. So it's not like these witnesses were not paying attention enough, or they weren't trying enough to remember. It's just the way that the brain works under stressful situations. Yeah. Even under normal situations, the way we remember people isn't necessarily the way that they are. And people cross racial identifications are even worse than normal identifications. Right. Yeah. So some witnesses said he was in his 20s. Others said that he was in his 30s. And most of them said that the man was white. However, by the following day, police were able to identify the Hispanic 15-year-old who, so he was a child, not in his 20s or 30s, and track him down, um, So luckily, it seemed that the undercover police got to the residence just in time as they caught him mid-flee. They noticed a car with Illinois plates leave the suspect's residence, so they followed and initiated a traffic stop. Their suspicions of the suspect intent to flee were confirmed when they found him in a car with several of his relatives, a rolling suitcase packed with clothes, a magazine clip, the same handgun used in the small shooting, and a sheet of paper with numerous phone numbers and information. Additionally, the 15-year-old father had purchased a plane ticket from or for him to fly to Florida to stay with his adult sister. So he was like trying to get out of there because he knew that he, he was in some deep shit. But he still had the gun on him. He still had the gun on him. Like, that's insane. These people don't think things through. So, well, I mean, he's a child. So, he's a child. His, he's a child. His, his brain is not functioning correctly yet. It's I mean, really that doesn't give him an excuse for killing anyone, but you can tell, like, he doesn't have the capacity to understand what's going on that he's still carrying the same gun around. The fact that, like, the adults are failing him so much. So much. Yeah. They they are obviously encouraging this behavior. They are enabling him to basically not face the consequences for acting in a horrific way. And from what it seems, from what I read, it almost seems like this type of behavior is normal to them. Yeah. So it's just 
the family is just letting this kid down and it's like a vicious cycle of not being taught correct ways of living you know like this isn't right and that's all he knows so yeah it's pretty terrible it's a big letdown for sure it is um so two of the people that were in the vehicle were arrested along with the 15 year old that and he was apprehended and charged with eight counts of first degree reckless injury punishable up to 15 years in prison for adults and one count of being a minor with a gun, which is a misdemeanor. So my searches never disclose the names of the victims or suspects, or suspect, I'm sorry, as a suspect at the time was being tried in juvenile court because he was an adjudicated delinquent and was facing felony charges. The public and news media could only have limited access to the hearings. Uh, prosecutors did seek out moving his trial to adult court, though, just because of the gravity of the situation. Right. In February of 2021, Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Brittany Grayson denied prosecutors' petition to transfer the boy to adult court. The state promptly appealed that decision. The Wisconsin Court of Appeals reversed Judge Grayson's decision to keep a 15-year-old charged with shooting eight people in the children's court and ordered a new hearing on whether the boy should be tried as an adult as prosecutors were pushing for it. So Assistant Public Defender Paul, I'm going to butcher the last name, Rafology, argued that his client's personality was that of a child and that a whole array of services available to him in juvenile in the juvenile system would best help avoid repeat behavior. He said that the state had not met its burden to support moving the case to adult court. Judge Grayson agreed that prosecutors had failed to support the assertion that the time and services available in juvenile system would not adequately protect the boy and the public. On the on February 16th, there was a hearing. The state's only witness was Allison Mackey, a caseworker with the Division of Youth and Family Services, who testified about her nearly weekly actions with the teen since August when he was adjudicated from an earlier incident when he ran from a car that had been pulled over. So this kid, (laughs) I don't have, I don't think that he had any good intentions throughout him being a teenager, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm guessing he didn't ever learn anything else, though. Yeah, I feel so. I have a really soft spot for kids in these situations. It's so terrible. You come into the world innocent, and then the adults around you just teach you just negative behavior after negative behavior after negative behavior. And then when you start getting in trouble, there's like, I don't know how this happened. Right, right. You are responsible. Yep, exactly. Uh, police later found a backpack he threw along the route of his failed escape that contained marijuana, which, you know, and as an adult, big deal. But yeah. 
a 15, 14 year old kid. I don't know about that. So in Again, his their brains aren't developed. So you shouldn't be smoking marijuana until your brain's done developing. You shouldn't be doing anything. I know going to school. Go to school. Stay in school. <laughs> Seriously. In his 17 page decision, appeals court judge Timothy Dugan said Judge Grayson made a mistake when exercising her discretion to keep the boy uh, identified in the decision by the pseudonym Xander in juvenile court. Judge Durgan's order sent the case back for a new hearing before Circuit Court Judge Joseph Wall, who was on rotation for Judge Grayson's child children's court assignment the following month. On cross-examination, public defender got Allison Mackey to talk about the many other kinds of interventions or services available within the juvenile justice system that have yet to be tried with the boy. So they were really pushing hard to keep them in the juvenile court system, not to be tried as an adult because he would have more resources and more rehabilitations through that system rather than just sending him to prison. Right. One of the reasons to keep minors in that system or return them there if currently charged as adults is because of services that would help them reform and that are not available to them in the adult system. In their questioning of Allison Mackey, prosecutors were attempting to show the teen didn't need or want the services that had been offered and ordered for him, strengthening the prosecutor's case. Assistant Public Defender Kathleen McSta then called witnesses David Thompson, a clinic, a clinical forensic psychologist who specializes in child clinical psychology. The appellate ruling stated that Judge Grayson improperly relayed on hearsay, or I'm sorry, relied on hearsay from a psychologist about the boy's conduct and statements and in effect allowed Xander to present an alternative version of events that contradicted the facts set forth in the delinquency petition. Much of the psychologist's testimony was heard in closed session. However, the psychologist's findings stated in open court that there was testimony that Xander was experiencing PTSD at the time because the people he saw in the mall had shot at him and a friend earlier, and that Xander didn't seem to premeditate when he closed his eyes and fired at a group of at the group coming down the escalator in the mall. So what do you think about that? Hmm. I kind like of buy that. Was, did, the, did he really have his eyes closed while he was shooting? That's the only time that I've ever read that he had his eyes closed. But I mean, could could you imagine being 15 and have already been shot at? And how that right. would like change your brain? I just don't know why you're going to the mall with a gun. Because he's without, scared. I yeah, I guess. I mean, because that I, a lot of these kids that sadly the life that they live is that everybody around them has guns and violence is a part of everyday life. Like, I'll give you an example. One of my son's classmates moved from Milwaukee. He was only eight years old, I think, when he was shot in a drive-by. What the fuck? So 
he got shot like in the shoulder, I think, or in the arm. And his brother was also in the car and was also shot. Like they both survived, but they were shot when they were like six and eight years old. And oh this kid has so many problems now. Yeah. And one day I had said like, you know, obviously I didn't know about this story. I said, obviously he's had some trauma that he reacts so outlandishly. Yeah. And my son's pretty emotionally intelligent. So he's like, well, yeah, mom, he was shot. Of course, oh, he, yeah. of course he had trauma. Yeah. But it's just for a lot of kids, that's a normal part of life, mm-hmm. which is terrible. It shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. But in a lot of areas, a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of families. It's the norm. It's the norm. Everybody has a gun. Everybody has seen people get shot at or been in the vicinity of people getting shot at. And it's yeah. not as weird as it is for us where, where it doesn't happen very often. That's true. I really appreciate your perspective because for me, I'm like, that's not normal. That's not what you do. You don't carry something around like that in anticipation for anything, but I haven't lived the way that other people have lived. So I don't know. And that's just me not knowing and me not experiencing that type of normalcy that they, that other people go through that require that type of action and not require, but like instigate it. Yeah. So there's some people that are scared to, you know, walk across the street without a gun. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way with, with men. Like I, I'm super, um, hyper aware of men around me. And that's because I, I've been through some pretty shitty things. Yeah. And so experience definitely molds people. Yeah, definitely. Because it, cha- it really does change the chemistry in your brain to react differently to different situations. I mean, I don't know this kid's psychology, so I'm not going to say that it's a fact, but I could see that yeah. being true. I agree. Thank you for that insight. You're welcome. So Judge Dugan countered that the initial charging document cites several witnesses' testimonies who describe Sander as acting in a very premeditated fashion but in searching for and shooting at his intended victims and then methodically escaping. Judge Dugan also added the juvenile court indicated, however, that it was not going to relay or rely on certain statements in the delinquency petition about what people might have thought because they were allegations that were a little bit speculative, end quote. Which is true, like they only see maybe a glimpse of what was happening and they don't know the context of what's happening. Not that shooting into a group of people is by any means okay to do, but right. It's basically hearsay. Yeah. Uh, Judge Dugan also concluded that Judge Grayson erred in describing the shooting as both very serious and something juvenile court handles all the time. And by stating the public interest was best served by keeping Xander in juvenile court without any explanation was also something that was questionable. Judge Dugan was truly coming for Judge Grayson, and it is said that Judge Dugan felt Judge Grayson made similarly contradictory decisions in regards to Xander's prior history. 
while Judge Grayson acknowledged that the defendant had failed to comply with the terms of a prior delinquency, which was not attending school or completing other assignment programs and possibly dealing drugs, she concluded the juvenile system could adequately protect the public. So, you know, the Boyd defendant admitted not liking school, but denied any other sorts of needs for drug or mental health issues. It also, it has also been said through what had slipped from the court proceedings is that the situation could have been stemmed from potential gang ties, which I don't know. I didn't find too many things about that, but that's just one thing that I read. So unfortunately, I could not locate the ruling on this case. The juvenile, or I'm sorry, the sources I found did not report on it. And since it was in juvenile court, it's not accessible for public searching. So don't know. I may be still ongoing because it, this was still mid-2021. And the appellate process is so long. Yeah. So... I'm guessing that it's probably still ongoing and maybe it will be, maybe it will be released. I don't know. Um, But seeing as how it is in juvenile court, it's not just going to be like, I don't think it's going to be headline news. I don't know though. I would guess if it gets switched to adult court, then it will be. Yeah. I don't think it, it, it didn't. And I don't think it will. I don't think so either. And I don't really think that it would be beneficial because if he's 15, he can still do six years in juvenile mm-hmm. and get an education, mental health services, and hopefully enough retraining that he can do better when he gets out. Whereas adult prison, you just go there and you learn how to be a better criminal. Exactly. Yeah. If you've never watched 60 Days In, I highly recommend because it's basically like it's like a little confined area for everybody that has acted criminally in their lives to just be together. Yeah. So there's really not much that goes on besides people wanting to still get high or still drink, trying to make it work for them in there. And it's not like you're really doing much to improve you're just basically in a hole with other people that think similarly to you yeah pretty much like if you go to a federal prison they have more programs or if you go to like Wisconsin has the drug abuse correctional center in Oshkosh if you go there then you have programming and they help you but if you're in a regular prison it's a joke maybe you get your GED right maybe you go to some church services Right. But I find that a lot of people that are church attendees, churchgoers, uh, God lovers, they, they like still are on some bullshit because being a churchgoer doesn't make you not sinless. Right. So Um, A business owner at the mall whose brother was shot twice in the leg by the 15-year-old said he was shocked at the court's ruling to keep the case in juvenile court. The business owner 
Saqib Javid stated he's not a kid. He knew what he was doing and he was mentally prepared. He shouldn't be in juvenile court. He almost killed eight people. Javid said he feels like the teen wouldn't even care about spending three years in juvenile prison or supervision. Saqib Javid said his brother Ikram Arshad can walk. However, he suffers from pain if he walks too much and is getting physical therapy, but he hasn't returned to work at the mall since the incident as it has left him scared, mentally shocked, and just plainly traumatized. So a little bit about children that are charged as adults. So in Wisconsin, children as young as 10 who commit homicides or attempted homicides are automatically charged as adults, but can be moved into juvenile court. Nationwide, there's been a movement to change the 1990s laws that put more juvenile offenders into the adult justice system. And Wisconsin remains one of the just five states that charge all 17-year-olds as adults. And that's something that Governor Tony Evers proposed changing in one of his budget proposals. So I think I kind of know your stance, but let's talk about uh, charging kids as adults. I do not like it. Hmm. I especially don't like life sentences for children. Yeah. Because... Like I said earlier, children's brains aren't developed. Your brain's not done developing until you're like 26 years old. That doesn't excuse your behaviors, but you can still be reformed. Mm -hmm. So I think the focus should be on reform and not punishment until you're older. I don't believe you should automatically charge every 17-year-old, especially let's say it's their first offense. Mm -hmm. You're automatically charged as an adult and your life is ruined. Like, what if you steal a car when you're 17, you're like joyriding with your friends and now you have a felony? Yeah, that's true. I think of the the story, um, it's like that hell house where um, this caretaker was taking care of two girls while like the parents were out like with their jobs in the circus. And um, the, the lady was just super she was a demon and um she really abused one of the girls and she let all the neighborhood boys basically beat her starve her and rape her and I I that that one really haunts me I still like think about that to this day but what really gets me is that these boys were so it was just the the caretaker and one of the daughters who were charged and none of the neighborhood boys were held accountable for what they did yes they were kids but they were literally violating this poor girl who was in a in a basement in a dungeon no clothes out on a filthy mattress with lack of food being basically branded by these boys and like no consequences that shook me yeah they should definitely have some consequences I don't think people should just get away with things no and I also think it has to do with your whole history too like how many crimes have you committed as a juvenile like how many times have you gone through the juvenile court system and thought it was a joke 
because the juvenile court system in Wisconsin is so crazy right now. You know, everything swings from one extreme to the other. So before everybody was going to Lincoln Hills or going to Wales and they closed down Wales and Lincoln Hills is a complete disaster. If people aren't familiar, it's, it's a horrible mess. So they don't want to send people there. We have very limited secure detention facilities for juveniles. So juveniles get probation, which is fine in some cases, but in some cases it's a joke mm-hmm. because yes. you don't have a probation officer, you have a social worker and the social worker can only do so much if right. you're out of control. Yeah. So there definitely needs to be some reforms on the system all the way around yeah. because you can't just let people get away with things without any consequences. Right. And you can't just throw people in a cage. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I, I mean, I don't think that throwing somebody, an adult in prison, that is an offer reform. It really doesn't. So if that's all a kid knows is being yeah. thrown into a cage whenever they do something wrong, they'll just be like, I'll do my two years. I'll do my seven yeah, That's years. exactly what happens. Yeah. yeah. I, I've seen that many mm-hmm. times. Like I've been yeah. locked out on and off since I was 12 years old. What do I care now? Yeah. Cause it's already like on their record. They, they know the ins and outs of what to do there. They know the systems. Yep. They know that yep. they're going to be out. So what's the point? What's the point of doing what society wants you to do if they can just live yeah. out the punishment and then be, be fine and then do it over again. Yeah. And they're comfortable. Yeah. That's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We need to get people used to going to therapy, not yeah. going to jail. And that's a lot harder to do than sitting and fucking, well, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to say that. It's no, I really think you're hard. right. It's harder. It's, a, it's harder. Yeah. It's really hard to sit down and be like, take a look at yourself and tell yeah. me why you're feeling this way. And tell me why you cry at this or that, or tell me what's wrong and what's triggering you and let's dive into that let's poke it until it fucking bleeds and that's really difficult to fucking do yeah it's much easier to just sit with your fellow criminals playing cards and eating food until you go home i mean jail sucks but yeah if you've never paid attention to your emotions before that's gonna be it's gonna be some tough work exactly exactly and you know not a lot of people exercise that you know, like finding what really is going on within you and working on those issues. Like that's really foreign to some people. And it's really sad. It's really, really sad that a lot of people don't know how to deal with that type of shit because A, you didn't learn and it's not a a thing in society that is talked about or is encouraged or is practiced by a lot of people. Yeah. So the Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention issued a statement after the shooting, quote, we commend the quick actions of mall staff and first responders in assisting families to safety and the life-saving efforts of the trauma unit at Frederick Hospital. The trauma response team is a partnership between the City of Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention and Milwaukee County's Child Mobile Crisis Team 
to support children and youth exposed to violent or traumatic incidents in our community, end quote. And I'm going to leave my portion of this episode with the words of Governor Tony Evers in regards to the shooting. Quote, we are thinking about all the customers and workers affected by this act of violence and are grateful for the first responders who helped get people to safety. We will learn more. We offer our support for the entire Wauwatosa community as they grapple with this tragedy, end quote. And that is the Mayfair Mall shooting and why people need to go to therapy. Yes, go to therapy. Talk about your problems. If you have kids, let them talk about their feelings about things. Mm -hmm. So people know what they're feeling when it comes up. Because if you don't talk about your feelings, they all come out as anger. Yeah. My, My friend, Alexis, is a beautiful mother. She loves her children and she does such a good job in raising them that to me they're like her son is like my little best friend because he is a true light and one time he like fell he really ate shit and um (laughs) he started crying naturally because you're scared and you're hurt and it's really a lot to take in and she goes, why are you crying? Are you hurt or are you scared? And he goes, yeah. I'm scared. But it's like, yeah, ask these questions. Like, yeah. why are you feeling this way? Oh, you're feeling yeah. this way because of that? Understandable. Let's work through that. You know, yeah. like you teach him. That's like, I think he's four. That's a four-year-old. Yeah. Grown people don't even do that. Yeah. And it makes such a big difference in their interactions with other people because my kids will be able to say, well, I could tell that she was having a really hard day. Like she couldn't deal with her emotions. So I have to give her some space or I don't like the way that this person is talking to this person. And I think they're doing it because they're not in touch with their feelings about the situation or they're feeling insecure. And I can feel that coming from them. And then, you know, you could just talk about things differently. It makes such a huge difference in your life when you can understand your emotions and then other people's emotions. Yeah. And we don't have to all run around screaming at each other on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Or giving really bad reviews. (laughs) Right. So we can get reviews, not reviews. We can get rated on Spotify now. Mm-hmm. So if people listen on Spotify, I didn't see a place for reviews yet, but you can give us a five-star rating. Hopefully a five-star rating. I hope so. Like, you know, and if, if you have constructive criticism, we, we would love that. Like, that's not something that we can't take it on the chin. You know, yeah. like I, I would, if you, if we say a word wrong and you know that it's said a different way, you can tell us that's totally fine yeah um but yeah so rate review subscribe you can follow us on instagram we post a lot of cool things you can follow us on facebook um and that's about it for me you got anything else yeah send us your listener stories we got a message last week i'm gonna ask her if we can share her version of the story one day if anybody else has any listener stories 
message us. If you just like love our podcast, or you're listening to it and you thought about something, like we had somebody message us to tell us, yes, there are elk in Wisconsin, like little things like oh that. I love the little yes. messages. Yeah. Yeah. That was so much just whatever random things you think about. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. That's all I got too. Okay. Well, we love you. And even if you don't love us back, we love you. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com episodes of all the sins of wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts and don't Don't forget forget, we we love you. you